Hey, um, I'm just I'm speaking on Satan this morning, which to me is always kind of an interesting topic to address. Um, so I flicked out a message to the prayer crew um, earlier this week, just asking them to pray, because eh? it always just makes me a bit concerned when we start thinking about Satan. Um, so one of the big things I'm going to be talking um, a lot about is that it's not how awesome I am, it's how awesome Jesus is. That's the core thing. You're going to see that again and again. It's not how awesome I am, it's how awesome Jesus is. And that's the big thing I'm going to keep saying. So I just want you to go and find five, six people and say to them, it's not how awesome you are, it's how awesome Jesus is. Is that okay? It's not how awesome you are, it's how awesome Jesus is. Hey, so as you can see, um, today we're starting a new series, which I'm super excited about. So it's got kind of a bit of a random title, What's It All About? So this is a cool idea that Tina had. So there's um, a bunch of us on a little teaching team. And there was just a few topics during, during the year that we wanted to talk about. And so um, Tina had this good idea, let's pull them together and use this title, which I thought was really good, shot Tina. Um, so like today I'm talking on Satan. Um, we've got a whole bunch of baptisms happening next Sunday, so the 11th, so you want to be here. Um, and so I'm just going to do a little short talk on what is baptism, um, and then the following Sunday talking about prayer and so on, so just some kind of cool topics that we wanted to hit. But today's um, the whole Satan thing, and I'm, I'm not afraid of Satan, and one of the things I'm going to talk about is that I think a lot of us as Christians are kind of like, dude, you shouldn't even say his name, right? <laughs> and I was thinking about this week, and I think, like, who's read or seen the Harry Potter series? You can judge me if you disagree with all that. Yeah, I um, And it cracks me up in there. They have this crazy thing about Lord Voldemort, who's like the main evil guy. And their whole thing in there is like, you never say his name. And it's like, you always say, um, he who should not be named. Is that what they call him, eh? He who should not be named, yeah. And it's always like, it feels like that in church sometimes. It's like, you go to say, and then you're like, oh, we shouldn't talk about Satan because he might like jump out and attack us or whatever, you know. And it's like, we'll get flat tires for the rest of the week or whatever, right? <laughs> um, and so one of the things I want us to just keep going on and on about, to keep coming back to is that as long as we're connected with Jesus, um, it's under his authority, it's under his protection that we are safe, right? So us as individuals, nothing. We've got no safety. Satan can do whatever he wants, right? Game on. But when we're connected with Jesus, and not, we've got a ton of verses coming, when we're connected with Jesus, um, we are safe in, in Christ, right? Um, hey, so let's look at some verses. So I want to read, just start with reading this one. So if you've got your Bible, go over to Ephesians 6. Um, got a device, got anything, um, head over there. It's good to follow along. Like I said last week, I just think the Word of God is more powerful to us when we see it rather than just hearing it read. Um, and everyone's got a phone now, so... It's kind of crazy. We were talking about this morning. Um, who uses Uvision, the Uvision app? Anyone? Yeah, if you don't have Uvision, I don't know what planet you're on. I just love it, right? And the, the verse of the day was um, this, in the, this in this section. I was like, whoa, that's freaky. They finally, like, Life Church has finally gotten sync with CBC. It's taken them a few years. They're, like, they're one of the biggest churches on the planet. I'm being silly. And let me read this, Ephesians 6. And I, and I just want us to read this going, this is real right? And don't do what a lot of us do where we go into like, oh yeah, it's science fiction-y, silly stuff. This is literal truth. Verse 10, um, a final word, um, be, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How do I be strong in the Lord? How do I be strong in God's mighty power? Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. And it's like, why do I need to do this? What is this all about? Why is he being so serious? And then he just breaks it down. So Paul wrote this. He breaks it down so clearly. Put on all God's armor. Not my armor. It's not my strength, remember? It doesn't matter who I am. It's all who Jesus is, right? Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. If I have to stand firm, that means he is going to attack me. It doesn't mean just because I'm a Christian, Satan's like, oh, they're Christians, I'll leave them alone. He doesn't, it's not what it's saying at all, right? 
Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I love how Paul just breaks it down really, really clear, right? Verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armour, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then there's this key bit at the end. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. So again, just because we're Christians doesn't mean to say we're protected. I mean, we're protected, but it doesn't mean to say Satan won't attack us, right? So one of the biggest things, and I'm going to say this a bunch of times this morning, is this is a big thing. Satan hates you. <laughs> and if you don't agree with me on that, then according to the Bible, you're wrong. <laughs> Satan hates you. And he would love to do, to do horrible things to you. He can't pull you away from Jesus because you're connected to Jesus Christ. <laughs> he can't steal your faith, but he can mess with you because <laughs> he hates you. His dream is to destroy you. His dream is to disempower you. <laughs> His dream is to make you doubt that God exists, right? <laughs> doubt your faith. And you see it in these verses, right? He is active and aggressive and he is attacking us. Um, but again, because we are in Christ... Um, it's not so scary, but we need to be aware, right? So I, I want to try and find a, a balance this morning between freaking us all out so that we all go out and we're like surrounding ourselves with Bibles because Satan's going to attack us, right? um, and then just walking out going, ah, oh, I'm all good, that Craig guy was carried away, carried away, that's where we're going. Hey, look at this quote from George Barner. So, so George Barner is a big researcher in America, and I found this quote real interesting. Um, he says this, the notion that Satan or the devil is a real being who can influence people's lives is regarded as hogwash, great word, by most Americans. Only one quarter strongly believe that Satan is real, while the majority argue that he's uh, merely a symbol of evil. Um, I thought that was a real interesting statistic, and obviously he's talking about Christians, non-Christians, and so on. Um, so again, as I said, though, we don't fear Satan. We're very aware, we're very alert that he's going to attack, that he hates us, he wants to destroy us. But we don't live in fear of Satan, right? And the whole reason is because Jesus has got us. So let me explain it like this. Um, as you know, Jason and I lived in America for a whole bunch of years, right? And this is true. And when I say this, some of you are going to laugh and then you'll mock me afterwards, but I'm okay with being mocked in the name of Jesus. No. Um, and so again and again, people would come to me and say, oh my goodness, do you play for the All Blacks? And I'd always be like, are you serious? If I played for the All Blacks, I'd be like snapped in half. No one would give me the ball. That would beat me up in the locker room so I couldn't play. It was like, but people would literally say that. All, like, I don't know how many times I got asked, man, do you play for the All Blacks? And I'd just be like, <laughs> die laughing. And then they'd feel disrespected and it was all stupid. Um, because in Americans' minds, like they watch American football, which is pads, helmets, the whole nine yards. And then they watch rugby and they're just like, who are these guys? They just tackle each other without pads. How do they not? They just think the All Blacks are like the greatest team in the world. It's so funny. So they'd ask me all the time and I was always be like, no, 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 that's totally stupid. But let's imagine, imagine that there was a charity game and it would have to be a pretty massive charity game and the All Blacks rang me and they were like, hey bro, we're a man down. Stop laughing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, they're like, we're a man down. Could you play? And I'm like, yeah, totally, right? And I play they would never pass in the wall, hopefully. And if they did, I'd throw it away because otherwise I'd be attacked and killed and I'd be dead, right? But we would still win, amen, because it's the All Blacks. We would dominate anyone, right? Because it's not about me. It's about how amazing the team is, right? It's about how amazing the team is. They would destroy, right? You see where I'm going, right? It's not how amazing I am. 
It's about how amazing Jesus is, right? And as long as I'm on his team, I'm okay. Um, or think about it like this, because I know some ladies are like, rugby illustration. Um, I can never say her name properly. So, Joe, Peter Matthias? Peter Matthias. So, Peter Matthias, the cooking lady, she's legit. Cool, cool here. Um, so, imagine she rang you out of the blue and said, hey, do you want to come on a new cooking show in New Zealand with me? And at first, you would go, ah, right? Because even if you're a good cook, you're like, she's like one of the best cooks on the planet. She wants you to be on a show. And then you'd go, It'll be totally fine. It's not going to matter, right? Because it doesn't matter whether I'm a good cook or a useless cook. What matters is that she is an amazing cook, and she'll totally carry me, and it'll be fine, and everyone will think I'm amazing. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with us and Jesus, right? As long as I'm on Team Jesus, as long as I'm connected to Christ, I'm going to be okay. Satan can attack me, but um, I can be okay. So this is this key phrase, right? I'm going to say this a bunch. It's not how awesome I am, but how awesome Jesus is, right? It's not how awesome I am, but how awesome Jesus is. Um, and, and I want to say this next bit real carefully. <sighs> because it's Jesus who protects me and who's got me, the, the creator of the universe, right, the, the trinity have got me, it therefore doesn't matter whether I'm a brand new Christian, um, <laughs> like less than three months old, <laughs> love you, bro, um, or whether I'm being a Christian... I don't know how long some of you guys have been Christians, 40, 50 years. It doesn't matter whether I've memorized the entire Bible or I know hardly anything. It doesn't matter because it's not me, right? But what does matter is that I'm connected with Jesus and I'm tight with him. Whether I'm new to the faith, old to the faith, it doesn't matter. I am protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll celebrate that in the Sixth Amendment, right? So it's not how awesome I am, it's how awesome Jesus is. Hey, I'm just, so I've had quite a bit to do with English stuff. So when I was pastoring in Rally Street, um, for some crazy reason, we got known as a church that could get rid of demons, which is quite a freaky thing. So we'd have quite a lot of non-Christians come and say, hey, we've got real scary stuff going on in our home. I'm not going to go into the details. That was terrifying. And I would, they would tell me stories, and I just went, oh, my God, this stuff is really real. This Satan stuff is real. I've seen pretty freaky stuff, right? Crazy thing is, I would go with a friend of mine who has real discernment in this, pray over the house, and then they'd ring us a week later and go, and they didn't understand it, and they'd be like, we don't know what you guys did, but all the stuff has stopped. And what do they say to them? All the Satan stuff has to go away because we have the authority of Christ. You guys aren't Christians. You do not have his authority, so Satan can come back. Um, and often a month later, two months later, they'd ring, oh, could you guys come again? And then we'd try and draw them into the church, right? Um, so let me tell you a little story just to kind of get us going. This is not super freaky, but it's a little bit freaky, so um, true story. So I was, this is to illustrate the whole point. It's not how awesome I am. It's how awesome Jesus is, right? So I was speaking at a camp years ago, like 20 years ago, and I hadn't had a lot of experience with Satan stuff, um, didn't know a lot about it, super naive, you know, knew Jesus, and that was about it, right? Knew a bit of Bible. And I was speaking at a camp, and after it was over a long weekend, and after one of the talks, a couple of leaders came up to me, and they said, so this is a true story, okay? <laughs> they came and said to me, um, one of the guys in our like, youth group is kind of freaking out, and we don't know what to do. And I was like, I was only like 30-something, 30 31 or two, and I was like, oh, yeah? Because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. What do you mean? And they're like, oh, he's kind of like foaming, grinding his teeth, just swearing and swearing, and he feels like he's going to explode. And I was like... Okay. And I was like looking around, who do I point to? And then they're like, well, you're the preacher. Can you come and pray? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And my, out externally, I was like, oh, 
I guess so. <laughs> but internally, I'm like, ah! I'm freaking out, right? Um, so we went over to where this guy was, and scared. it was that weird thing you hear people say where you get close, and you're like, wow, heaven and hell, man, there's something freaky going on here. And um, so I went up, and I was like, I don't know what you meant to say, what you do, I'm freaking out. Um, so I went up, and he literally felt like he was going to explode. So red, just so intense, and it was kind of like, Whoa. So with zero faith, right, so no faith that this was going to work, I just went up, and I tried to ask him questions, but he couldn't speak. And so I said, bro, I'm just going to pray for you, man. And so I just did this, like, little prayer, Satan, you have no authority here, I am a child of God. And in the name of Jesus, um, I command you to leave this guy alone. It was like that. Like, I don't know, is there special formulas? What do you need to do, right? And I'm praying with my eyes shut and my mind going, this is so not going to work. And then what are we going to do? We need a plan B. Do we find someone more powerful, bigger? I don't know what I'm doing, right? I had zero faith. And then I opened my eyes and the guy's sitting there like, <sighs> and I was like, are you okay, bro? He's like, whoa, what just happened? And I was like, heaven and hell, man. <laughs> Satan, demons, all that stuff, bro. I was like, are you okay? And he's like, wow, what the... So we had a bit of a chat about stuff. And then I said to him, I'm guessing you're not a Christian. And he said, no. But he said, during your talk, I wanted to become a Christian. And I went, wow, that's really interesting. So I said, bro, would it be okay if I explain... I'm going to get all emotional. Is it okay if I explain a bit more about who Jesus is and what it means to have a relationship. He's like, please, bro, please. So did the prayer, you know, led him to faith. So exciting. The leaders are there, like, just about exploding. Next morning, the leaders come up to me, and they were like, what the heck has happened to this guy? He used to be quite an evil, angry guy, quite a loner in our group. And we woke up this morning, and he was up before everyone else with his Bible, trying to find verses and read this Bible thing, because they'd given him a Bible that night. This morning, he's so lovely and exciting. They were just like, whoa, just heaven and hell, right? So again, my whole point is this, right? It's not how awesome I am, it's how awesome Jesus is. I, A, had no idea what I was doing. B, I really didn't believe it was going to work in the work quotes. But that's not the point, right? It's that I am a child of God, and I moved into that situation under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was like, yeah, even though you don't know what you're doing, Craig. I got this, right? It's cool, eh? That's, yeah, true story. Crazy, crazy. All right. Hey, um... Let's get into lots of verses, eh? Let's get into lots of verses. Um, I want to make sure we do that. So here's my first point, eh? Jesus makes Satan run away. <laughs> so the title of this was What Makes Satan Run Away? And, and this is the first thing. Jesus makes Satan run away. So let's look up a few verses. Let's go over to Mark 1. Um, Mark 1. And you see quite a... Uh, when it's Jesus, it's just real simple. Um, like I kind of joked a bit when I was taught telling that story. I didn't know the secret formula, you know? Um, in Jesus' time, uh, there literally were formula. So the Jewish leaders had special formulas and special prayers that they would pray to try and cast out demons. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But when you see Jesus cast out demons, um, th there's no formula. He just tells the demons to get lost because he is the Son of God. Let me read this, Mark 1, where are we going? 21 to 28. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. It's different, right? Because he's got authority. When he speaks, remember I preached on this a few weeks ago, he is truth. <laughs> so when he speaks, they're just like, wow, who is this guy, right? Um, and then, surprise, surprise, of course Satan's going to attack. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed. We need to talk about that word possessed, right? So we're going to come back and talk about that. What's the difference between being possessed and being oppressed? 
We want to talk about that. A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. (laughs) I love what they say. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. And then this is the key bit. It has such authority. That's a key word, right? Authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. (laughs) The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Um, go down to verse 34. We could, there's tons of verses we could look up, but I just wanted to bounce through a few. Verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Um, down to verse 39. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. You just see this again and again and again. And the thing I love in these, these interactions between the Son of God and Satan is there's no discussion, there's no argument. A demon never goes, well, hang on, Jesus, I'm not sure here, let's have a conversation, I don't think I want to leave, there's never that. A couple of times they, they know what's going to happen when he sends them out, so a couple of times they're like, hang on, don't send us out, can we go into the pigs, there's things like that, and Jesus is like, yeah. But you see just reference after reference, Jesus says, demons out, and the demons are like, oh, son of God, see you later. <laughs> they don't want to leave that person, which is why the screaming and all that stuff, but they have to submit, right? So this is this first key point, right? Um, Jesus is the one who makes um, Satan leave, right? Hey, let's look at, um, at Matthew 4. This is kind of an important bit um, to look at when we're thinking about Jesus and interacting with Satan. Um, so you see the same story in, in Luke 4, but we'll look at it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Um, so this is the temptation of, of Jesus, which I'm sure you've, you've read heaps of times. So verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. He's not surprised. He knows this is going to happen. Satan hates him, right? So it's like, of course, Satan's coming, right? Um, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. It's real important to to get how emaciated and skeletal Jesus would be at that point. You with me, eh? He's obviously got some kind of fluid, probably just water. Um, but he does not eat anything for 40 days, 40 nights. So I remember when I was studying this um, in a class, and the lecturer talked about how you've got to imagine someone most probably in a fetal position, skeletal, almost on the edge of death, right? Because he hasn't eaten for 40 days. It's pretty, pretty rough. Um, and, and this lecturer suggested that the reason Jesus never talks in here, all he ever does is quote scripture, is that his brain was literally starting to shut down because it's so malnourished. But because Jesus has hidden the word of God in his heart, right? When Satan attacks, he, he's got... I'm not going to argue Satan because I can hardly even think at this point, but I will quote scripture and Satan has to flee, right? And that's what you see here. Um, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, that's the question he asks again and again, right? And that's what he's going to do to us. One of the big things Satan will do to us is try and make us doubt our identity. He will try and make us doubt our identity all the time, right? That's where he so often attacks. Um, And this is a key thing. He's like, are you really the son of God? Is this the whole cross thing going to work? Is all this really worth it? That's where he's going. If you are, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And then Jesus responds, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. 
but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, again, if you are the son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he'll order his angels to protect you and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. In other words, saying, hey, there's another way to do this whole saving the planet thing without going to the cross. You get that, eh? That's what he's saying there. He's like, you don't need to do the cross. You don't need to become the sin of the world, which is going to be so heinous. I can give it all to you now, right? Um, and Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. And, and Luke 4 adds, um, the devil went away until a more opportune time arose. And so it's certainly not like Satan attacked and then, oh, I lost, I give up. It's that Satan would have attacked Jesus again and again and again and again through his life, right? Um, and one of the things we have to remember, and like I said, I'm going to say this a lot, Satan hates you. <laughs> he hates you. <laughs> He's going to attack you again and again and again. He'll attack you through your family. He'll attack you through your work. He'll attack you through technology. He'll attack you through any avenue he can get into your life to get a foothold into your life, Right? Because he hates you. He wants to destroy your relationship with Jesus. He wants to disempower you. Um, and we've got to be aware of this, right? We've got to be really aware of this. Um, just a little side note, and I say this in love because this is a hard thing to say. I just love how when Jesus is being attacked by Satan, all he does is quote scripture back at Satan. And one of the things that God's challenged me, so you can take this challenge or not, it's up to you guys, I'm not worried. <laughs> One of the things God's challenged me a lot on this week is how much scripture have I really memorized? When Satan comes at me, do I have to argue with him because I don't know enough scripture? Or have I memorized some scripture so when I'm feeling attacked by Satan, um, I'm like, boom, 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 right? And that's just something God's been hassling me about. And I'm like, all right, time to up the memorization game, Craig. So it's cool. Okay, here's our key phrase again, eh? Um, it's the authority of Jesus and the power of the word of God that will defeat him, that will defeat Satan, not you. It's not how awesome I am, but how awesome Jesus is. As long as I'm on his team, everything will be all right. <laughs> everything will be all right. Um, and the all rightness is, is debatable. We need to discuss a bit about what that means, right? Um, but everything will be all right. Okay, hey, let's look at this cool verse from First John. I love this, eh? Because if you can get a bit freaked out and a bit like, Whoa, but I love this, eh? First John 4.4, 4, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. So these people being horrible and attacking and stuff, that's what he's talking about. Um, you've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Um, there's two bits in this verse that I really love. The first one's right at the beginning, if you look at that. You belong to God, my dear children. That's the first thing we have to know. Um, and so I, this next bit is really weird and hard for me to say, but I just want to say this really honestly. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, then... Satan looks at you and he just goes, <laughs> excellent, man. Because he can do anything he wants with you, right? Possess, oppress, all this stuff, right? Um, so if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, then I kind of beg, I don't know what the word is I meant to use to you this morning, and say, please come and talk to someone afterwards. There's really good people in this church that you might know that would love to pray with you. Man, I'd love to pray with you. Um, but if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you have no protection at all. <laughs> um, but those of us that do belong to God, we have the protection 
of God. So we need to be aware, we need to be alert, but we do not need to fear Satan, right? And that's that second bit. Um, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Who's the spirit that lives in the world? Satan, right? Um, we need to be aware, we need to be alert, but we do not need to be afraid because the Holy Spirit who's in us is heaps more powerful. Um, again, I want to say this with heaps of love. I don't know. If you're a Christian and if you're in a relationship with God that is active and growing and powerful, then God has got you. Satan can still attack you and he can certainly mess with you, but he cannot have you because God has you, which is what I think these verses are saying, right? But he will still attack you. So let me explain this next bit real carefully. Um, This church holds that a non-Christian is fair game for Satan. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus, Satan can do whatever he wants, as we saw in those verses. Possessed, which means take full control of. That's what that means. Oh, excuse me. Um, And he can oppress. So possessed means control, right? Take. So we would say that Christians are possessed. It's not a word we'd normally use by the Holy Spirit, right? We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't possess us in a way where he controls us. Because God loves us to be humans of free will. We work together with the Spirit. So we don't really use that word possess, but that's the idea. So someone who's not a Christian, Satan can do whatever he wants. He can possess them and he can oppress them. So to oppress someone means it's possible that Satan can put thoughts into our heads. So a lot of people that struggle with mental illness have the most evil, horrible thoughts. I've talked to people who are the most beautiful, lovely, wonderful Christians who've started to struggle with depression, for example, and the thoughts in their head, you're like... That is from the evil one. <laughs> so it seems that he can put thoughts in our heads. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but that seems to be what he can do. Um, but this oppression can mean he can manipulate the environment that we're in to make us feel and think and do certain things. So there's possession um, for a non-Christian, and there's also oppression. Satan can oppress a non-Christian so that, they, that the environment is manipulated so they feel that things are happening. Um, well, does that make sense? Are you with me on that? Yeah, so I've talked to a bunch of people that have said I was in a situation and I felt this, no one else felt that and it was a bad evil thing and it's like that will be Satan messing with you does it make sense eh? Um, so that's a non-Christian, so a Christian though cannot be possessed because we're indwelt by the spirit, that's what this verse is saying but we can be oppressed we can be attacked by the evil one we can be in a situation where um, it, it just feels like an oppressive situation. We can um, think evil thoughts. Sometimes that comes from us because we're, we're pretty good at sinning last time I checked. So we can't say every, every time we do a sin, we can't be like, oh, but Satan was attacking me. It wasn't me. I'm perfect. It's, you can't say that, right, because we're evil. So sometimes the evil we do is from us. But sometimes the evil we do is because Satan has manipulated that situation. Well, he's found a foothold into our life where we're looking at things we shouldn't look at, listening to things we shouldn't listen to, thinking about things we shouldn't think about. And Satan knows, and he's like, here's an access point for me to get my little Satan fingers into their soul and mess with their mind and mess with their emotions and mess with their thinking. Does it make sense, eh? So non-Christian, fair game, man. Um, we need to pray like crazy for our non-Christian whānau, yeah? Satan can do what he wants to them. Game on. They can be Possessed, oppressed. But for us Christians, we cannot be possessed, controlled, but we can be oppressed, right? Um, You see Jesus being attacked. He's being oppressed by Satan, right? Um, You see it again and again. Cool. Um, 
Okay, let's, let's cruise on. So that's that, that whole first point, right? Um, what makes Satan run away? It's Jesus, right? Jesus. And here's the second point. It kind of changes a little bit. I can make demons flee, right? I can make demons flee. And when I put that up, some of you who are super smart will be like, whoa, I thought you said we couldn't. I thought it was all Jesus. But that's where you need to look at these verses. So I've got a bunch of verses again because last time I checked, the Bible is legit. So these are from James. And then we're going to look at the, the companion passage in First Peter. So James 4, 6 to 8 says, um, He or God gives grace generously. Oh, amen. Far out. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see it, eh? He will flee from you, right? Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And there's so much in here. And, and Peter repeats a lot of this, so I'm going to um, jump to the Peter passage in a second, but just a couple of bits in here. You, you've got to see real clearly, it's not that you don't just jump in the middle and go resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You have to do the first part. It's about the humbling. Someone who's not humble before God, and I'm going to explain what that means, they can't resist the devil, right? Because they're doing it in their own strength, so I'll explain that. And then there's that real interesting bit at the end. He's talking to Christians, but right at the last... Um, Sentence he says, Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. The more divided my loyalty is, the more divided my trust and my obedience to God is, the easier it is for Satan to attack me. Does it make sense? Let me let me talk about this. I wasn't gonna talk about this, but let me explain like this. I think about this all the time in my my personal life. Um, this is pastor confession time, so if this freaks you out. Chop down trees. I'd love to chop down trees for your job. Um, heaps of mornings when I wake up. The last thing I want to do is have a quiet time. Seriously. I'm like, really? I have to read my Bible and pray and all that. But I make myself because I want to grow and be obedient to Jesus. Every time, as soon as I open the Bible, oh, I'm so glad I did. I love it, right? Every time. But I'm always like, not always. It sounds like, oh, I've found Bible, quiet time, I'll play a game on my phone to distract, and then finally I'm like, oh, I should. Second I'm into it, I'm like, woohoo, this is awesome. Um, now, one of the reasons I always make myself have a quiet time, and it's between you and Jesus how you do this, is this, and this sounds super weird, but this is how I think about it like, all the time. I imagine I get up in the morning and Satan's standing and he's like, all right, Craig, let's go, bro, let's see, do I need to send a super powerful demon to mess with you today? All I just send like a joke demon, like a learning demon who's just fresh out of demon school. What am I doing? And as I reach my Bible, and as I dig into the Word of God, and as maybe Joseph and I put on worship music in the house, and I confess my sin and journal about my relationship with Jesus, I see Satan going, damn it! <laughs> he's Satan, so he says bad words. I would never say that in church. <laughs> Because now he's like, man, I'm still going to attack you, Craig, but now it's going to be really, really hard because you have just connected yourself with the one authority that I cannot mess with. Darn it. Darn it. Does it make sense? So here's the other side, and this is the part. So that's good, but this is the part that makes me go, I've got to kick myself in the butt in the morning and spend time with Jesus. This is it. I get up, bit tired, watched a movie last night that I shouldn't have watched, now all these things in my head that shouldn't be there, I'm really tired because the movie went really late, and uh, oh, I'm not going to have a quiet time, uh, this is what I imagine, I, this is literally what I imagine Satan doing, <laughs> yes, yes, oh this is going to be a joke today man, small demon, you who's pathetic, go and just mess with Craig, 
He did not put on the armor of God, man. He is not prepared. We can do whatever we want today. This is going to be hilarious, right? It's like always, that's the bit. And I imagine that, and I'm like, Satan is not going to have me, man. <laughs> Satan is not going to have me. So I'm going to run to the word of God. I'm going to run to my relationship with Jesus. All right. Again, if that was too weird, complaints. Jeremy's out of the day. Go and talk to Jeremy. <laughs> so good. Hey, here's the Peter passage. Um, again, I put it on the screen because I really want us to see it. Um, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the, to the humble. You can see there's a real lot of um, correlation with that James one. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Man, I love that. I love that verse. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. <laughs> Watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone who, turn to someone and say, devour. Can you turn to someone and say, devour? Man. Stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. Man. Peter's full on, right? James is full on. Paul in Ephesians 6 that we read before is, is really full on, right? Satan hates you. He wants to destroy you. And I think too many of us Christians go through it with like, yeah, yeah, Satan's schmating, it's all good. And he's like, excellent, keep thinking like that. Thanks for that. Um, let me pull apart just a few bits out of these, um, these verses. So here's the first one. I must be humble before God. Um, I must draw close to God. Um, the word humble here is not what we often think. Often we think of humility as not wanting to take credit for something I did. That's how a lot of people talk about it. So you visit their house and you go, whoa, that's a great fence. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I had seven friends build it, and I'm not really that good at fence building, and I'm like so humble. I'm over here low, you know. <laughs> or like you see their garden, and you're like, whoa, that's a great garden. And they're like, well, I just kind of threw some seeds in the ground, and the next minute flowers came. Oh, it's, I'm humble. I'm so humble, you know. <laughs> that's totally not what humble means, right? Humble is to have confidence but submission before God. So the word that... Um, the word that Peter uses here for humble is a real interesting word, so I wrote it down. The Greek word for humble that Peter uses here is a military term. Huh, who would have thought? It means to submit, be subordinated, render obedience. It is not a light term. It is not a if I feel like it term. <laughs> That's what it means to be humble before God, to submit to him, to surrender my will to him, Right? Um, I had a friend that I, I lived with, I worked with in America for a couple of years, um, Joel, and he was at university with Joseph and I, and then after two years he went and joined the Marines, which is what you do in America, and then a year later, he was hilarious, a year later he came back and we caught up, and he had the Marine tattoo on his arm, the legit one, and it was like, whoa, bro, you're really a Marine, and he was so different, so when he left, he was a real cool guy, real funny, and just your average everyday guy, but now that he came back, he was quite serious, he was like a rock-hard ab machine of death. He was just amazing, right? I punched him. It was like, whoa, yeah, you just broke my fist on your everythingness. He was just amazing and, and real, like, still cool, funny, but real serious. And one of the big things we talked about, I said to him, bro, I've seen it on the movies, man. Is basic training as hard as they say? And he's like, oh, man, it's like a million times worse. And he said the whole point in it is they want thinking soldiers, they don't want dumb soldiers. They want thinking soldiers. But they want soldiers that in the middle of the craziness will just obey. They'll obey. They're thinking, but they just obey. There's no, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. This whole ridge we're taking. Really? Do we need the ridge? He said, you just go, you go, you go. And that, that has stuck with me all these years. Hey, this is what Jesus wants. He wants thinking Christians. We're not just robots. 
but he wants Christians that when he says, take that ridge, we're like, I'm already finding my gun. I'm running off, you know. Um, I'm obedient. I am submissive. That's what it means to, to humble myself before God. And then that other bit in there, I must draw close to God. <laughs> and again, this is a little bit rude to say, but bad luck. If you're waking up in the morning and you're not plugging in to your relationship with Jesus, Satan's just sitting back going, thank you. This is going to be real easy. Um, I must draw close to God, right? Okay, um, here's the next one. I must give my worries and cares to God. This is a real interesting one. I must give my worries and cares um, to God. It's not really clear in the English here, um, but in the Greek, uh, Peter links this very closely to the first verse. And so what he's saying is I must be humble um, before God. How do I be humble before God? One of the ways is that I must give my worries and my cares to God. Um, and it's pretty simple what he's saying. If I hold on to my worries and cares, that shows that I'm not trusting God to care for me. Does it make sense? So I'm literally not being humble before God because to be humble before God is to trust him, to know that he's got me, to submit my will to him. So if I hold on to my, my worries and my cares, I'm not being humble before God, so now Satan's like, game on. Does it make sense, eh? Now, I want to say this real carefully. There's no way that Peter's saying if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with worry and stuff, you're meant to just kind of like, oh, give it all to Jesus and now I'm fine and fantastic. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying it's a journey of faith. It's always in the Bible, a journey of faith, walking this out, right? Um, You need to see someone wise who can help you journey through this stuff. But at the same time, some of us just worry and care. And we need to have more trust and more faith in God. More of God has got me. I'm on the team of Jesus and he has got me. And in the context of the Satan thing, that's what he's saying. I don't walk around terrified that Satan's going to jump out of every bush and trip me up or whatever. Give me flat tires. That's always the tactic, isn't it? Not letting me get parking spaces. Damn it. <laughs> um, I don't live in fear because Jesus has got me, right? Very simple to understand, though. Um, Peter's key point is real serious here. To hold on to my care and my worry and not trust God to have me in them is to not humble myself before God. Therefore, I'm possibly making myself a target for Satan because I'm trusting in myself and I'm not trusting and not trusting in God. That's the, that's the core of it. So here's the first one. Humble, draw close to God. The second bit here is I've got to give my worries and my cares to God. And then here's the last one. This is kind of an obvious one, right? I must stay alert and be aware because Satan wants to devour me. Man, it's full on. Stay alert and be aware. Um, I do a bit of running, right? Just a little bit of running, not crazy, like run from one side of the country to the other side, like that mad Pastor Campbell guy that's just too intense. Just like a little few Ks here, a little few Ks there. Um, and during winter, I would often run before work. And so we live in the middle of nowhere. Our road that we live on is a dead-end road, and by the time you get to the end of it, it's literally as wide as a driveway, so it's just tiny, right? So often I'd get up early in the morning, way before, like, probably 5.30. It's still, it's pitch black, fog, because we live in the Waikato, it's always fog in winter. And I'd go for a run, and so I'd take a little torch with me um, when I was running down the road, right? One, because the first time I went out, it was pitch black. And I was like, I can't even see the road, because we've got no streetlights way out. Then I was like, ah, this is not going to work, so I had to go time to get a torch so I could actually see the road, which is what I've done. Um, but the main reason is for cars, right? Um, because cars come flying around the corner out there, and they can't see you. And it's fog, and it's pitch black, and so I wouldn't, like, 
blind them so they then go off the road and die. And I'm like, that'll save you, right? You know? But I'd be like kind of shining it at the ground, like, whoa, whoa. And there were several times where I'd be running and I'd be waving it at the ground. And then I was waving it at them because they were still coming towards me. And I was like, wow, I had to dive out of the road a few times. It was ridiculous. Um, Jose and I were driving up our road the other day and there was a guy not being alert or aware. Um, he was running up our road, kind of in the middle of the road with headphones on. And Jose and I are like, seriously, bro, you just can't do that. We could have just run you down, which we did, to teach him a lesson. No, we didn't, right? <laughs> we didn't. I think I might have thought about it, but we didn't. Right? I love to say, be alert, um, be aware. He's not, when I go for my run, I'm not running like this the whole time. You know, like, any minute a car's going to run me down. I'm just being aware. I'm being smart. I take a torch with me. I have a reflecting thingy on me, you know? My shoes have got reflecting thingies on them. I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? I'm not freaking out. I'm being aware. I'm being alert. I'm being smart. I'm being prepared. And that's what he's saying in here. I must stay alert. Um, I must be aware because Satan wants to devour me. <laughs> it's real interesting. Again, the, the words that they use. So the word Peter uses for watch out in here is a word that's used in other places in the New Testament um, to talk about um, being spiritually alert. And it has two meanings. It means being aware of Satan's attacks, but it also means being aware of my own spiritual state. So on one hand, I've got to be aware. Satan is a roaring lion. He's prowling. He wants to take me down. That's his goal, right? That's one. But I've also got to be aware of where I am with Jesus, my own spiritual state. What am I watching? What am I listening to? What are my friends talking about? Yada, yada, yada. Because if I drop the ball here, if I'm not alert, I'm not watching out here, then Satan again just goes, excellent. And I'm so glad you watched that movie you shouldn't have watched. I'm so glad you watched those clips on YouTube you shouldn't have watched. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you, because now you've given me a foothold to get in. And that's what he's saying. It's watch out for Satan, but it's also watch out for yourself, right? The, the stuff you're doing. Okay. Um, I want to finish with two C.S. Lewis quotes. So C.S. Lewis wrote a um, book in 1942 called The Screwtape Letters. Who's read it? Who's read The Screwtape Letters? Oh, it's awesome. If you haven't read it, I'd really encourage you to read it. Um, you can get it on um, audio read by John Cleese, which is just awesome. If you know John Cleese, it makes it just next level amazing. Um, and in this book, he's talking... Um, so C.S. Lewis is a great Christian writer, um, passed away now. Uh, and he's writing this book, and he's, it, the idea is it's a senior demon writing to a junior demon around a guy that they don't want to become a Christian, and then he does become a Christian. And it's the letters backwards and forwards between the senior demon and the junior demon. But in it, he brings massive insight into us, for us as Christians. That's the whole point of it. So I just got two quotes that I found real powerful in the book. Here's the first one. The long, dull, monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity, are excellent campaigning weather for the devil. That is so powerful. Let me read this again. The long, dull, monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather for the devil. Let me explain it. Middle-aged prosperity. A lot of us, when we're struggling, when we're at uni, the uni crew, when we're starting out and work, we're super broke, we need Jesus because I need another McDonald's. You know? I don't know how poor uni students are always eating junk food. It's very weird. But then you get to this, this stage in your life, which here he's calling this middle-aged prosperity, where the mortgage is kind of under control. And we've actually got a decent job and our cars are actually more than 500 bucks now, you know, and they're running okay and we're all good. And we kind of start doing this and we just start drifting because we don't desperately need Jesus as much as we did before, and he says that's a dangerous place, but then the other side is just as dangerous, middle-aged 
adversity when often you've got young kids and everything's just chaotic. Oh, the effort to have a quiet time when I've got kids running around or my mortgage is starting to get overwhelming or the effort to get to church when I've got this to do and that to do and the garden and the fence needs painting and then blah, da, da, I'd love to get to church. But, but I just thought that was a real interesting like, point by Lewis. I'll read it again eh? and, and just listen as the Spirit poking you a bit on this one. The long dull, monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather for the devil. Interesting, eh? Here's the final quote. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Let me explain this one. Um, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall, about, um, can fall about the devils, about demons, Satan, and all this. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and that one he's calling a materialist. Some people are so, you've got to show me the facts, the figures. I need to see this for myself. I'm not going to believe in Satan. I'm not believing in all that stuff. And that's what he says at the end. Hey, Satan doesn't care. If you want to believe he doesn't exist, like, what, 27% believe he does exist? Or what's that, 83%? I can't do maths. 73%? I don't know. Believe he doesn't exist, and Satan's like, woohoo! <laughs> Thanks for that. But then the magician side is just as dangerous. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in the magician side. It's this finding this balance of being alert, and that's why I love those words of Peter, being alert, watching out, being aware. Satan hates you. He wants to destroy you. We've got to be aware of that, right? But we don't then fixate on it and freak out. Um, I want to finish by just praying this verse over us. So, um, Peter, let's all stand up and let me pray this. Liam, do you want to come and lead us in a song of response? Hey, hey um, kia ora to the um, kone ipurangi, the people on the podcast. And I want to just say to you, if you're on the podcast and you listen to this, um, this is a church that believes that Satan is evil, but we believe that this verse, um, God is way more powerful. So if you're listening to this on podcast and this is concerning you, worrying you, then please get hold of us. So you can go to our website, um, www.cbc.net.nz and get hold of uh, me and one of the staff and we would love to meet up with you, pray with you, have a coffee, uh, explain more about what's saved. Um, but for us as a church, let me read this verse and then I'm going to pray it over us. So the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Yes, Jesus Christ, uh, almighty son of God, I thank you that um, those of us who are protected by you, who are in a relationship with you, um, have protection um, because of your sacrifice. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we don't need to fear the evil one because you are greater. The Holy Spirit is greater. <laughs> um, and we are indwelt by the Spirit. We don't need to fear, but we do need to be alert. We do need to watch out. Um, I thank you that that watch out word has that double meaning. It means be aware of Satan's attacks, but be aware of our own sin that can give him a foothold. Um, help us to be wise, God. We don't want to be hypocritical people that come to church and hear a pretty powerful you know, message about Satan and then go, oh, yeah, it's all good, just carry on. Uh, we want to reflect. We want to listen to you. Um, so during this song, as Liam leads us this afternoon, this week, um, we just call out to you, uh, Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, and ask you to bring to memory some of the things we've heard, some of the verses um, that we've looked at this morning. Yeah, we want to be really aware of Satan. 
We don't want to fear him, but we want to be aware that he is real. Yeah. You draw us closer to you, God. We know that's the only place that we go for protection. You draw us closer to you. The Almighty God, um, our Father, call out to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I just pray for healing for anyone in this room or anyone listening to this podcast or something that is um, experiencing some kind of oppression um, from Satan. And, And if they are a child of God, then, yeah, I just say, Satan, you have no authority in their life. And by the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, um, I command you to leave them alone. Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate authority. We thank you that when we call out for healing, uh, for release, for freedom, um, in your name, uh, demons have to flee. (laughs) What makes Satan run away? Uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, makes Satan run away. Yeah, pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, man.